the transmission is clear. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Robcast. This is episode 245, and it's called A Bit More About That Last Episode. <laughs> because the last episode was called Some Days I Feel Lost. And honestly, we were just scratching the surface. I was just touching on some of that. And uh, I realized over the past couple of days, we just have to go farther. Um, we have to go way farther. So we're going to explore that in this one. And uh, I believe it was two episodes ago. The episode was called You, Me, and Ruth. And um, I said I'm going to do a part two on that because we have to go through the rest of the book of Ruth, which we will get to. But just not now because we have to do more about uh, that feeling of being lost and where it points us and what it shows us and, and what it looks like to grasp it more fully. Now, I should offer a disclaimer. Um, I'm not in the back house because um, it's early in the morning and my son is still asleep because his bedroom is in the back in the back of the back house. So I set up a microphone at the kitchen counter. Um, so if at some point during this episode... You, you find yourself thinking, man, it sounds like somebody's making oatmeal about four feet away from Rob. That's because that's actually what's happening. So at some point, I'm assuming um, bells will begin waking up and um, some breakfast goings on will happen. So if you, you hear any of that, that's because what you think is happening is actually <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh, in other happenings, um, by the way, have I ever told you that I'm Danish? My, uh, I know, how's that for a segue? Have I ever told you that I'm Danish? My grandfather, Neil, uh, left Denmark when he was 19, sailed to America, eventually came here to Los Angeles and built a business and a family. And then my mom and her sister came, he married my grandmother. So uh, I'm one quarter Danish, uh, and I've never been to Denmark until this summer. So all of you Danish listeners, I've recently discovered there's a, a world of you um, in Denmark listening to the Robcast. I'm coming your way this summer for my first ever speaking event in Denmark. It's called An Evening with Rob Bell. I'll be at the Jazz House Mount Marte in Copenhagen on August 3rd. You can get tickets at my site. But, oh, I mean, I was going to say I'm coming to Denmark. I'm coming home. <laughs> and obviously so thrilled. A uh, week before that, I'll be in Norway, in Trondheim, at the Olafest there, and um, I'll be speaking, and I'll get to meet a bunch of you from Norway, who I've also discovered have been listening to the Robcast. So, all that is coming, and then um, Denmark, Norway, Kentucky, <laughs> Louisville, Kentucky, Chattanooga and Knoxville, Tennessee, coming your way in June. And then July is Seattle, Portland, San Francisco for the Introduction to Joy Tour, all those six dates. And then um, Intro to Joy Tour, August is the UK leg. So Bristol, London, Manchester, and then I'm doing three nights at New Theatre in Edinburgh, Scotland as part of the Fringe Festival. And I have wanted to do the Fringe Festival since I first heard about it forevers ago. And uh, so, uh, UK friends and Scottish friends, if you're heading to Fringe Festival, I'll be there, and I uh, look forward to seeing you. So those are all things that are cooking. Then there's two days tickets are now up for some communicator workshops I'm doing, um, which is, man, talking about making things and the process that goes into communicating things, I could, I was literally going to say, I can talk about it for days, so I do. <laughs> um, but if you want to come spend two days with me here, uh, uh, we take over the Improv Comedy Club, and we just, uh, I'll be doing all sorts of new content on that, on the art and science of communicating, and we'll get you unstuck on whatever it is you're working on. So uh, tickets for those there's two different two days. Um, all that stuff is at my site as well. But uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, in the kitchen, talking a bit more about that last episode. Because the thing about it, when you talk about feeling lost, 
that's a feeling, that's a mood, uh, that's a sensation, um, but it's important to take it farther because that feeling of lostness, uh, well, it's actually a very big, and I'm going to use a huge word here, theological word, and uh, in, the, in the Bible, lostness is like a really important part a vital part of the human experience. So uh, we don't live in a culture that values or even talks much about feelings of disorientation, bewilderment, being overwhelmed. Uh, We mostly live in a dominant culture of here's how to win, here's how to find the path, here's how, which which all can obviously be very important, but... uh, when I last week talked about we're just scratching the surface, and I talked about the Psalms as being like a like a, a master class in how to be lost. Um, this is a vital part of the tradition that I come out of is valuing this as opposed to stifling or denying. Um, one of, one of the central things happening in the scriptures is people getting lost, and not only is it okay. Um, but there's an underlying assumption that spirit is present in even that. And in many ways, that experience is a gift. It's often a way that you get shaken up so that you can find a new way forward. Now, a lot of people haven't heard this, and uh, that's what I discovered after last week's episode. It's like, oh, well, we were just scratching the surface. You want to go farther? Let's go farther. So um, essential premise here. Uh, lost and that feeling of lostness, it's one of the ways we grow. It's one of the ways we wake up. It's one of the ways we mature. It's one of the ways we expand. And so instead of stifling it, denying it, pretending like that's not what's going on within us, instead of numbing it or apologizing from it or minimizing it, uh, you turn, you face it, and you go into it and it does something to you. So here's where I want to start. I want to start with the Psalms, because right in the middle of the Bible is a collection of prayers. And uh, a lot of people are very, very unfamiliar with these, because they say a number of things that a number of people don't associate with a vital spiritual vision for life. Here's what I mean. Uh, One of them, let's go to uh, Psalm 6, uh, verse 2. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul, notice the physicality of the soul there. It's my bones are in agony. That's not just like I'm sore from from hiking, right? That's like my bones, like the depths of my being is in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? So you could say it's a prayer. You could say it's a plea. You could say it's a confession. But it's also a question. Yeah, so, uh, by by the way, side note, um, one way to define prayer, one of the many ways to define prayer would be naming what's going on inside of you. Yeah, you're just naming it because it loses some of its ferocious, terrifying power when you name it. And so what you see in this master class in a healthy spiritual vision for life is you name that, you give it language, heal me, for my bones are in agony, my soul is in deep anguish. This This is all the language and vocabulary of lostness. How long, Lord, how long? And then it locates itself in space-time. How long am I going to feel like this? Oh, you see, it, it, right away you're like, oh, I'm not alone. Others have felt this way? Yes, for thousands of years. And also remember, like when you read, when you read a prayer like the Psalms, for thousands of years people have seen these prayers as... as sacred history as the language of the tribe. So in this tradition, and it's important to have a tradition or a lineage, if you're trying to make your way in the world, uh, 
just sort of grabbing bits and pieces. Uh, the world fundamentally disintegrates us. It, it comes at us a thousand miles an hour with all these different blips and squeaks. It can throw you off course, right? It can easily just give you an endless series of fragments and advertisements and billboards and little pieces of shrapnel. Uh, so part of the power of an ancient tradition is it helps ground you and center you and, oh, other people have been here before. There's a fundamental isolation that can easily set in deep in the bones when you're left to just sort of try and figure it out. But the power of, of a tradition or a lineage is it reminds you, oh, people have walked this path before. Yeah, people, people have been down this road my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How, how long is this going to go on? Yeah, it's a prayer. It's a plea. It's a question. Yeah, and, and to have these prayers collected, you see the power of that. So when people talk about, is it true or is it not? Is it, is it myths or things? I, seriously, seriously, kids. That's a kid's table question. For the adult table, much more interesting question. What is it about these feelings of anguish and bewilderment and loss and the question of how long is it going to go on cause people to say, we should remember this. This is vital and important to being human. Write that down. Yeah, it tells you it's all part of it. It's all part of the experience of being human. Yeah, that mantra right there, that, that mantra will save you thousands of hours of anxiety and needless spinning. If you just stop, whatever it is, and this is all part of it. Yeah, this is all part of it. Yeah, the divine will be found in even this. Oh, man, oh, man, that. It's like a release valve for the soul. We should take a minute right there, wherever you're at. Just stop and just do that. This is all part of it. Yeah, especially like if you're, if you have a job, if you have a job, <laughs> I say that like it's a totally rare thing. If you actually have a job and you're trying to figure out how to do good work and uh, you're working with other human beings who have opinions and feelings and quirks, yeah. And, and you find yourself just driving home, taking the subway, walking, however it is you transport, and you're like, what the, What was that today? Did I even make a difference? Did that even, man, this thing is driving me. Should I even be there? Yeah, it's all part of it. It's all part of the human experience. Yeah, my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long is this gonna go on? If you've ever asked how long this is gonna go on, welcome to the club. It's thousands of years old and has many members. It's called the Human Experience Club. Notice this one, uh, Psalm, by the way, I'm using an actual, actual paper, an actual book, um, chapter 10. Uh, here's how chapter, t uh, Psalm 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Now, I don't know what, what, what your conception of the divine or how you think about God or all that, but, but this is, let's stay here with the human experience. Nobody's coming to your rescue. It's isolate. It's that feeling of abandonment. Am I all alone here? So you're like crying out. Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? How come when it's difficult is when I feel most alone. Yeah, see, that's like whew, that feeling of being pressed from all sides, from being hunted down, that feeling like uh, the bills are piling up, the conflict isn't abating, and nobody is showing up to rescue you from this. You're going to have to just go through the heart of it. Yeah, whew, yeah. That's, uh, that's all part of it, that feeling. So that's why when I talk about some days I feel lost, 
I'm not like, uh, hey, you know, there's like, uh, some days your emotions are just crazy, kids. No, no, I'm talking about this is, a, this is a deep reservoir of human emotion we're tapping into that people have been chronicling for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Psalm 12 begins this way, help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. Yeah, this is that feeling of lost when it feels like, does anybody care about basic civility anymore? Is anybody telling the truth anymore? Has everybody thrown basic human kindness out? Oh, this is that feeling, this is like that societal feeling, or maybe it's a friend group, or maybe it's within a family system. Uh, this is that feeling when you're like, does, does anybody care about the rules anymore? <laughs> does anybody care about basic decency anymore? It's like no one is faithful anymore. It's that feeling, do, are any politicians actually caring for everyday people? Does anybody actually represent me? That those sorts of impulses, which can feel super dramatic and over the top and like filled with sort of apocalyptic despair, they're also very normal uh, questions to be asking. Notice Psalm, oh, Psalm 13. I've always loved this one. I seriously, I have turned to this one so many times. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? The, 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 one of the reasons this one uh, does something to me, it strikes like a chord within me, is when I first came across this psalm years and years and years ago, uh, like in my early 20s, I remember it was like a jolt of lightning, like, wait a second, that's in there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I thought this was an owner's manual. I thought this was a list of rules. I thought the Bible was like, here's what you should do. Here's how to be, you know, a good person and get into heaven. And suddenly I was like, wait, uh, this is like accusing. This is questioning. And once again, whatever your conception of the divine is, this, th this, this is permission giving. This says, whatever you believe about whatever, have at it. Like, don't hold back. Like, take off the gloves. Like, give expression to all the stuff that's churning within you. And as I began uh, to, to learn about this particular tradition, it's the arguing uh, it's the wrestling, it's the questioning, it's the accusing that's actually part of it. That means there's actually something going on here. This was actually, for me, huge in coming, because I, uh, I, I had, uh, I'm trying to think what to say, fairly conventional views. There's this divine being, this is years ago, and, and like you sort of learn what you're supposed to do. But the idea that it's a dialogue, that's a, the, the idea that it's a back and forth, the idea that, uh, and, and you could also, the word God, you could use the word ultimate reality, depth of being, ground of being, that of which nothing greater can be conceived, the whole in all of its parts, however you, source, spirit. But the idea that what you're feeling, what's going on inside you, what's churning inside you, you give that expression, that's a healthy spiritual vision for life. You, uh, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I need answers here. Oh, who hasn't had that feeling? How long do I have to put up with this, right? Who hasn't had that uh, wrestle with my thoughts? When am I gonna get some clarity here? I'm tired of being, I'm tired of not knowing. I am exhausted from the ambiguity here. I need clarity. And there's like an insistence. There's uh, there's like a, a there's a tinge of there's anger there. 
there's a tinge of sadness and disappointment and betrayal. Uh, so just substitute the word life. Have you ever had that sensation rippling through your body? I am disappointed with how this thing turned out. It's supposed to be better. Uh, have you ever had that sense of, man, I worked so hard to get to this place. The rewards were supposed to be a bit nicer. Um, or have you ever had these kids, uh, these little human beings that we made, uh, that I, have you ever had that, uh, I, they, should, they should be farther along than this. We shouldn't still be stuck on the same old issues. These are, no way, no way, this is, yeah, yeah, this is all that, that sense that I'm too far along to be dealing with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I laugh because it's, it's all part of the thing, yeah. And what you find here in these prayers is the normalizing of it. And actually, the, amp, the knobs get turned up, the amping up of it. Notice, uh, let's, oh yeah, let's just, and once again, we're just picking a few. Psalm 22, uh, my God, my God, why have, you, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Oh, oh! by the way, that sounds familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Psalm 22. In the first century, uh, for a good Jewish person, the goal was to die, quoting Psalm 22, to die with this psalm on your lips. So there are four gospel accounts of Jesus' life, and, and each of the gospel writers records Jesus saying something different. And so the obvious sort of critique is, see, it's all nonsense. They, they don't even agree on what he says. But then if you read the four different things they have him saying, the four different writers, you realize, oh, those are all different lines from Psalm 22. So um, he's just quoting the psalm, and they're all picking different things to serve their purposes. But that line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, this is one of the things that Jesus says on the cross. It's like the, the cross is the day that God becomes an atheist. <laughs> it's, the day that, it's the day that the divine joins us in the absence of the divine. Yeah, there's Jesus expressing a, a very, even at that day, ancient sentiment, which is, ah, why have you turned your back? Are you even there? Seriously my time of trouble. There's no one to help. He's on the, he's, he's being crucified and he's all alone and no one's showing up to rescue him from it. And he's expressing an age old human sentiment, which is apparently there's no one running the show. We really are just all alone. Yeah, that, that cuts deep. That cuts deep. By the way, whenever I meet people who are like, dude, I'm an, or like that sort of, you know, that hardcore, you know, when you meet somebody who's swapped out one fundamentalism for another fundamentalism. So uh, they'll say like, dude, I'm, I'm an eighth, I'm a hardcore atheist. And I always just ask, well, tell me about the Baptist church you grew up in. Um, but you can, it's very, very easy. It's very, very common right now for people to swap out uh, fundamentalisms, just trade one for the other. But sometimes there's this idea that like, there is no God is like a radical, dangerous idea. <laughs> I totally, wait, wait, let me just say, I, I completely honor that. I get it. I get where you're coming from. I get the need to be that sort of militant, but honestly, not a new idea, not a new idea. Or the person who's, you know, like, I just can't believe in a higher power, not a new idea. We've, we've been expressing this. And by the way, the pronoun there is really vital. We've been expressing these ideas for a long time. It's not dangerous. It's not new. Uh, it's not revolutionary. It's just part of the human experience. It's part of the human experience to feel alone. It's part of the experience, human experience to deny the frameworks that you were handed. It's deny. Think about this. Psalm 22. Torah, uh, first five books of the scriptures, is all about the divine presence in the sojourn sojourn out of slavery into freedom, the liberation movement and the divine with you every step of the way. That's like the through storyline. So why have you forsaken me? Uh, this violates 
the storyline and it's okay. And it gets recorded and remembered as something really, really important. Remember, it's not just these prayers. It's the fact that for a long, long time, people have seen it as absolutely important to record these prayers, to remember them, to repeat them, right? What Like that's central to the tradition is repeating these lines where people say, why have you forsaken me? How long is this going to go on? I'm in agony here. Yeah, it's all really, really important because you gather with people, like essentially like what we're doing right now with this episode, and you remind each other that this is all part of it, that you're not alone in thinking these thoughts and feeling these feelings and sensing these sensations and having these experiences. This is all a totally normal dimension of the human experience. Uh, where, where am I here? Psalm 22. Let's go, let's, you know, let's do 40 more. Oh, let's do, okay, we'll do, uh, I don't know how many more. But, uh, oh, yeah, this one, uh, Psalm 28. This one's a psalm of uh, David. And uh, this one, to you, Lord, I call, you are my rock. David also was being hunted by the king who was trying to kill him. And he's hiding out in these caves. So to you, Lord, I call, you are my rock. That may just be literal, like uh, this rock is protecting me right now as I hide out from the most powerful man in the world who has been very public about his desire to execute me. Um, you can see where that prayer has like a vital on the run, like blood pumping, adrenaline, sweaty terror. To you, Lord, I call, you are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit, which is like the ones who die. I, I need This is like the urgent, desperate, I am lost here and I'm crying out because if I don't get help, it's over. It's over, right? It's, a, it's an urgent, <sighs> terrified, uh, slightly frantic, frenetic. Uh, this thing is not, this isn't like a relaxed, hey, you know, if you get a, I, I'd like some, I'd like a little guidance here on how to be more self-actualized. <laughs> this is, uh, I am in trouble. It is urgent. And if I don't immediately get some help, I'm going down. Yeah, or contrast that with 30, Psalm 38. Uh, there is a talking about, the, this one's about the anger. I am feeling like the whole thing, the universe is angry with me. There's no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Hi, baby. Uh, my daughter is just awoken. Can I have uh, one of those hugs? I'm recording a podcast, but... Oh, good morning. How are you? Good. Okay, I'm going to um, just do this for a little bit more and then breakfast. Is that okay? You want to hang out here? Oh, no, you don't? Okay. <laughs> oh, that was my daughter, Violet, and that was the morning hug. Is anything better than that? Why did I? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, <laughs> normally I would just hit, normally I wouldn't be recording in the kitchen, but otherwise nothing's better. Well, okay, I'm talking to you, so we'll finish that, but then, you know, she and I will have some breakfast. It will be fantastic. Man, oh man, that just made my day. If your day begins like with a hug from Violet, how great is your day going to be? Do you like that, Violet? <laughs> okay, uh, I have no idea where I was. Oh, yeah, yeah, my guilt has overwhelmed me, Psalm 38, like a burden too heavy to bear. Uh, yeah, have you ever made a mess of things? Have you ever disrupted the peace that you know is the highest intentions for yourself and the world around you? Uh, there's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. Whew. What it essentially says is 
you can take destructive action and then it affects your body. It's like you're burying it deep within you. It's like that feeling of lost, like I violated someone. I violated myself. I violated what I know to be right. And now, oh, I'm like spinning because it's affecting my physicality. It's like weighing me down. Oh, it even says this, verse six, I am, I am bowed low and brought very low. Verse seven, my back is filled with searing pain. Verse eight, I am feeble and utterly crushed. Yeah, that's all. Sometimes lost. Sometimes that feeling of disorientation and being overwhelmed is because we've done something and we haven't made amends. We haven't forgiven ourselves. By the way, I should do a whole episode on forgiving yourself because that's the trick. Sometimes it's much easier to forgive others than it is to forgive yourself. And sometimes we're like, it's like we're storing it in our in our cells. Yeah, ever had that feeling? Yep, yep. Totally normal part of the a total normal abnormal part of the human experience. Uh, oh, notice this one, Psalm fifty four. We'll do a couple more. Uh, Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. This is the absolute urgent desire to be heard, just to be heard. I need to know somebody somewhere is listening. Sometimes that feeling of lostness comes because it doesn't feel like anybody's witnessed to what we're going through. And so we're spinning because what we need is somebody to go, yeah, I see that. I see you. I see you. Yeah, and that's what you need. And then it's like some of those feelings begin to dissipate. Uh, how about this one, Psalm 61? I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's like this cry for guidance. I don't know where to go here. Show me how to get to the higher place because I'm getting exhausted from wandering around down here. Now, we could go on and on and on here. We just scratched the surface, which was, which was one of my larger points, which was we just touched down in a couple of the Psalms. And when we touch down, and there's this feelings of lostness, agony, anguish, my bones are weary. That is all part of the human experience. Now, the reason why this is so vital is for many people in the modern world, their uh, experiences, so, ma so many of the concepts for so many people of what a healthy spiritual vision looks like, <clears throat> so much of it for people was heavily, was heavily mediated by institute. <clears throat> oh my word, I keep coughing. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, now the reason why I point this out is for so many in the modern world, their understanding, maybe this is you, of a healthy spiritual vision of life was so heavily mediated by institutions which didn't have a lot of room for the lostness of life. You don't raise money uh, through lostness. <laughs> you, you, uh, it's hard to build a foundation on lostness. And clarity and uh, certainty generally don't do well with lostness. Uh, it's hard to control the masses uh, when you give space for the fullness of the human experience. So for many people, um, the idea of anguish, agony, feeling lost, being all a part of it is a brand new idea. It's not a, a new idea in the ancient tradition, obviously, but for it, this all to be seen as a totally normal dimension of the human experience is a rather new idea. So it can be uh, jarring and also thrilling. Cries, questions, pleas, pleas to listen, pleas for help, pleas for direction, a conflict, and the urgent desire to 
have resolution brought to the conflict? Desperation? Desperation. Yeah, that's like a universal experience. Yeah, desperation is as is as old as it gets. And so when you so when I talk about feeling lost, it's way more than a mood. It's you could call it a theological space. It is an absolutely vital and normal and necessary space within the human experience in the fullness of a spiritual vision for life. So when you read the Psalms, you are experiencing a tradition of ruthless honesty about the angst and disorientation and questions of life. Yeah, this is, you are ruthlessly honest about what's happening inside you, what you're experiencing. So, so in many ways, that, that is a, that's a central understanding of prayer for me. Uh, do I pray? Yeah. Do I pray? Why? Because when I am ruthlessly honest about all that's swirling and churning within me, things happen. <laughs> things happen. I could even, you could even just say, I feel better. I, uh, I see things I didn't see before. Nothing good comes of repressing and suppressing and avoiding and denying and numbing. And so uh, what you're doing with this lostness, what you're doing with these psalms, uh, once again, whether you, whether you believe in a, in a God or however you conceive of all that, I'm trying to keep pulling us back to the experience of being human, whatever you think about all that stuff, it's like you're building the muscles to, to know how to name and identify what's going on inside of you. Now, uh, people over the years have named this. They've noticed there's a pattern going on here. Um, some have called this um, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Because I can take you back through a number of those psalms, and what you'll see is after the why do you, how come, you don't show up, why have you forsaken me, then you get these lines that are uh, like, but I will trust. You get these lines, uh, the, uh, the end of 13, Psalm 13 is the one that begins with like, I, um, uh, where is it? How long will you forget me forever? But then at the very end, but I will trust in your unfailing love. Or Psalm 12, which is the no one is faithful anymore, um, but then that one ends, but you will keep the needy safe. So a number of them, they're, they're ruthless about the agony, anger, questions, but then they go through, it's like they go through the pit, all the way into the pit of all that suffering, and then you see them gradually begin to come out on the other side. But uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust love. I'm going to trust that there will be a love that can carry me through any, even this. But I am going to go under the assumption uh, that whatever I need, I'm going to get at just the right time. So what often you'll find is it's like the, it's like the expunging. It's like you get out all of the deepest, darkest everything. It's like you have that, it's like the good cry. It's that spiritual vomit. You get it all out. And then on the other side, you actually can begin to find some, maybe some hope, maybe some trust. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you got all the tears out and then a little small sliver of light came through. Uh, like a little bit of hope poked up through the ground and you were like, uh, it's that feeling when you're sort of still wiping the tears and you look at your friend and your friend's like, you feel better? And you're like, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bold, confident, sort of triumphant feel better, but it there's a little like, yeah, we got that out. Yeah, 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 that's what, so uh, it's been named, um, some have called it this pattern, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Uh, in, uh, 
in Zen, they call it a first the river's a river and the mountain's a mountain. Then the river's no longer a river. The mountain's no longer a mountain. Then later, the river's a river again and the mountain's a mountain again. I think one of, my, the, one of the first Robcasts ever was about this. Now you see what we're doing here. When you name it, when you see this pattern in your life, orientation, disorientation, reorientation, then, then you can name it and embrace it because it isn't all there is. You see that? So when you find yourself in massive disorientation, oh, yeah. And what Psalms does is it normalizes it. This is all part of how we grow. This is all part of how we wake up. This is why those lines in the Psalms, after all of the, where'd you go? Why have you forsaken me? But then the lines like the, the lines at the end, but I'll trust in your unfailing love is, I got through that and still found some love on the other side. Well, if I was able to go through that and there was still love, next time when whatever that comes its way, you're not as intimidated by it. You're not as thrown off by it because you remember. That's the power of these Psalms. There's a communal memory and then there's the individual memory. Oh yeah, a couple of years ago, that would have... Oh, this right now that I'm in, that would have, it would have crushed me. But now I remember that I went through that and I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens over time is you become bulletproof. It's not that you don't feel it. It's just that you, you remember, oh yeah, yeah. I've been through this. Oh, it was awful. There's blood everywhere. Man, oh man, it's brutal. And yet I'm here. I survived it. So you start up, so you see it coming. And advanced player move, you see it coming, you're already smiling like, this is going to be awful. But I know from experience I'm going to learn something. Do you see how you're, you're, like you start to develop muscles? That's why you read the Psalms and it, uh, it gets you in shape. So what happens then is when you're feeling lost, you're lost, but you're not lost. You're, you're lost and you can feel it. And you can, you can have that day where you're like, I have no mojo. I am so off. You can spot it. You can name it. You can let it wash over you. And at the same time, you're at some deep level not lost. That's what frees you to acknowledge your lostness is because it's all happening. And, and here's the big idea. Episode 245, here's the big idea. I'm giving you the big idea 42 minutes into the episode. Here's the thing. What gradually begins to happen is your lostness is happening within a larger space. All these things that you're experiencing are happening within a larger space. And that larger space is a space that has opened up within you. This is, uh, this is why we have this phrase, uh, he's such a drama queen, or she's such a drama queen. Oh my word, they're so dramatic. Every like, Here's what we mean when we talk about somebody being overly dramatic. What happens is they're experiencing a feeling, an emotion, and it takes over. And sometimes if this person has a loud personality or a manipulative personality, or they're toxic or destructive, or they simply have extra charisma, is whatever this person is feeling, they demand that the whole room or the whole family system or the whole office or the whole friend group or, or everybody else in the marriage, namely you, has to go through this emotion. So this feeling that they're feeling has taken over. It's all they can see when they look at their life. It's taken over their field of vision. And sometimes what happens is the person demands that it takes over everybody else's field of vision. Uh, however they are, this is that boss that whatever mood they're in, everybody else has to adjust. Uh, this is that parent who, when they're in that space, everybody knows to either avoid them or appease them or feed them a whole series of lines to try to get them you know, back to a better place. What happens in those moments, and this is why it's, it's, uh, it's so frustrating, uh, is... It's happening within them, but it isn't happening within a larger space. So it's all they can see. It becomes dominant. It's almost like 
the glasses, the lenses on the glasses just got painted with whatever that is. There, it's that person you get you get with, and they're angry about something that somebody did to them, and it's literally the only thing in the world at that moment for them. And if you don't join them and and just keep feasting on the carcass of this thing that they're angry about, then you really don't have much to talk about. Or it's that person who uh, they can't see beyond this particular wound, hurt, challenge, plea, agony. Uh, it's like the rest of the world. It's like you don't even exist. What's happening is that they're having that experience, but it's not happening within a larger space. And so the invitation to mature, the invitation to expand, the invitation to grow, and people talk about expanded consciousness. This is not just a vague esoteric idea. This is you expanding. So these experiences you are having are happening within a larger space, and you can then identify and see them within a larger space that has opened up within you. This, this is, you're encountering the stretchiness of the human heart. I like that. I made that up, by the way. The stretchiness of the human heart, and I'm quite proud of it. This is what happens when you, and there's a couple other things that are come, that are going to happen with this as well. Um, I'm, I'm, oh my word, I have, I have a couple notes here, and I have so many different places I want to go. Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, there's this letter in the New Testament, a man named Paul, uh, I shall find it. He's talking about his own death, and he's torn. And the reason why I, I think this letter is so fascinating is in the original Greek language, the grammar is a little off. Like the original text of the Bible here, the grammar is not good. It's like shaky writing. It's like, uh, it's disjointed. But then what he says is he's right, he's in prison. So uh, he's, in, he's in like a real agony. Um, if I'm to go on living in the body, there's a man named Paul writing this letter to these people in the city called Philippi. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will remain fruitful labor for me. He's like, if I keep living, I'm gonna get some work done. But yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. Uh, part of me just wants to, to die and go be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Uh, but that's an actual question. What shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. He's literally writing to these people saying, I'm in such agony here. I'm so tired. A part of me is like, maybe I'm just done. Maybe I just check out and leave. But I also know that if I stay, we, we could get some stuff done. Uh, you and I, we could, we could do something pretty special here. That's my, my, my translation, not yet out. You see what's happening there is multiple things are sitting side by side within him. That is a massive heart that can say, I'm really torn because a part of me just wants to check out. I'd rather just die and leave. It'd be so much easier than stick around. And if you're chained to a wall in a prison somewhere, probably without food, he's been, we know he's been beaten an, uh, quite a bit. So you're, another beating is coming. Uh, yeah, that's a very real sensation and experience. And there's also a part of him that's like, you know, but, but if, I, if I could push, if I could stick this one out, man, we could do some stuff. So I think I'll do that. But I am torn. And that's why I point out the original language, the original Greek is a bit shaky. It reflects, even the grammar and language reflects the agony and, and affliction of the moment. And it all sits side by side. So my Robcast friends, this is the invitation for you and I to become so large in the right ways. You see what I'm saying there? Not ego, not like the awesome, not the ridiculous sort of Instagram bit large, that stuff, come on. Um, that's kids table stuff, right? Uh, I'm talking a largeness of spirit and soul and heart that can have these depths of emotion and feeling 
and it just sits there side by side with everything else you're feeling. So uh, some days I feel lost and I know exactly what I'm doing and who I am and what I'm here to do. <laughs> you see what we just did there? Yeah, my feelings of lostness. Yeah, I also, I, uh, I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. I know what brings me joy. I know who I love. Like, I, I got this. And, man, some days I, got, I, have nothing, I have no mojo. I am sitting under a tree in the backyard just letting that stuff, all of it, letting that stuff just fly through, letting, letting myself feel the full weight of it. Yeah, and it all sits side by side. And see, for many people, the moment there's an expression of bewilderment, disorientation, lostness, oh, you're, that's, that's everything, your whole life? And the thing is, you're, you're growing and expanding. No, no, there's a, there, it's all happening within a larger space. It's lost but not lost. There's a center here. This is what I mean by grounded and centered. This is what we mean when you hear people talk about centering or well, centering prayer or finding your center is you're finding the larger place within you and you're getting better and better and better at staying there, especially when crazy, difficult, excruciating, painful things come your way. You've gotten better at better. So there are these momentary feelings that rush in, that feel like they're taking over, but they're all taking place within something larger. That, yeah, that's, that's the goal. That's the path we're on. That's what we're learning. By the way, uh, people who um, don't have any language or room for lostness, who see lostness as the enemy, who worship at the altar of foundness, certainty, uh, language like certainty, absolutes, um, unchanging. Um, oftentimes people cling to these doctrines, dogmas. Um, oftentimes people swap out fundamentalisms or cling to fundamentalisms, which is that which can't be questioned. Uh, oftentimes people do this because of tremendous trauma. Uh, when I meet somebody who's militant about anything, militant in the brittle way, not the passionate, convicted, uh, we're here to make the world a better place, but the militant in the brittle, small, uh, terrified way. You know, that person who's clinging to something. And it might be something that sounds really new and, and progressive and modern, and yet it's still a clinging. You can feel it within them. They're clinging. Uh, they're clinging to the word progressive. Uh, they're clinging to uh, the idea of the oneness of everything, but it doesn't feel like it's on very solid ground. Oftentimes it's because the person was hurt. They're wounded. They went through a trauma. And there wasn't, it wasn't happening within a larger space within them. And so they're clinging to something that brings safety and security. Um, but they're clinging to it at the expense of the nimble, flexible, lost but not lostness of growing in the stretchiness of the human heart. But when you've been grounded in the you that is eternal, the you that is indestructible, the you that is witnessing to all these things and observing all these things that are happening to you, as you're more and more grounded in that self, the self behind the self behind the self behind the self, the self under the self. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the same writer, Paul, who's in prison, who taught, who's torn, he also has this line about being crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but the Christ who lives in me. You realize what he's saying is he's saying the part of me that would have been thrown off by that died. And there's an eternal, there's an eternal Christ dimension of my existence that just rolls on, that is indestructible. There's a part of me that can't die. There's a part of me that can't be thrown off. So when I'm disoriented, uh, I rest in the fact there's a part of me that can't be disoriented. <laughs> there's a part of me that just is. Yes, there's an eternal spirit. Yeah, there's a divine spark. There's something 
that is indomitable present within me. And I rest in that. Yeah, nobody, by the way, gets a pass from lostness. People may cling to it, cling to their various rules and regulations and fundamentalisms and systems. Uh, People may cling to those and look confident, and they may talk a lot about absolutes and security. Yeah, but uh, nobody gets a free pass from these. And for many, they've developed muscles the other direction, the ability to keep going, the ability to numb, to suppress it, to avoid it, to deny it. But it's there. It's there. No amount of money, no amount of fame, no amount of accomplishment uh, can can protect us from the human experience. Yeah, it's, everybody has this somewhere. Uh, and when you meet somebody who's like, oh, no, I never feel lost. I'm like, oh, wow, you're, you're really lost. <laughs> yeah, the more somebody insists that they know nothing about this, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, yeah. So the real art is to let those feelings of lostness be seen in a whole new light. I, I am growing in my ability to see lostness as a gift. Yeah. So sometimes you're, you're lost because something's not working. The feeling of disorientation is a gift. It's spirit poking you, prodding you, waking you up. Hey, 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 something's not working here. I am learning to listen when I have just to stop. Okay, all right, this is one of those days. Man, I got nothing. I have no game today. I have no mojo. Uh, there are days There are days. Uh, I start, I hit record to make the Robcast, and I got nothing. <laughs> like, I have nothing to say right now. I have not a thing to say. Uh, helping people? Come on. Stringing together a bunch of sentences for 45 minutes? Seriously. I do not have that. Uh, I am learning to stop. Okay, so interesting. Instead of fighting it, what's wrong with me? Instead of fighting it, you remember the Kristen Bell, instead of what's wrong with me, ooh, what is this? Interesting. Lostness. Let's follow it. Yeah. And generally, it's because there's something that's right there that I haven't noticed. And uh, the beauty of disorientation is it shakes you up. We can get calcified, we can get stuck, we can get in a groove. We're living according to assumptions that aren't life-giving. And then you get shaken up. You get disoriented so you can get reoriented. And it becomes a gift. Oh, that's how. Yeah, that wasn't going to work anyway. I was on the wrong path anyway. So you begin to see, if you can move to the place, once again, folks, advanced player move. If you can get to the point where the feeling of lost comes over you and you're already smiling like, I wonder, what's, I wonder what joy is hidden in this one. I wonder what truth, what message. I wonder what direction. I wonder what new orientation is lurking within this disorientation. I wonder what new direction is actually hiding somewhere in this lostness. I'm telling you that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened with these two episodes, by the way, is I was experiencing this lostness. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, I can see this lostness and there's some part of me that can observe it. And actually... It's showing me something, and it's something really good. Oh, interesting. Let's follow this. Let's see where this leads. And what it led to uh, was a couple episodes about this. See how that works? (laughs) I know. I know. So, my friends, may you, in your disorientation, remember that this is leading to some reorientation May you, when you're feeling lost, see this lostness 
within this larger space. May you see what else it sits side by side. When you feel like you don't know anything, may you be able to see it sitting side by side with all the things you do know. When you are experiencing this feeling of, I have no idea what I'm doing, may the space within you be so large that you notice, oh, but in this area, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, over here, yeah, over here, things are, things are locked down. Oh, this is, this is something happening within the larger space that we know to be me. Ah, got it. And may you see, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, people have been feeling this for a long time. And then may you hear that still small voice whisper, this is all part of it. And may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.